0: And give him a, a breakthrough shout in this place. Come on, break through your weariness. Break through the sickness in your body. Break through distractions. Break through opposition. Uh, I came to give him a. Whoa! Moses. He said I want you to build a barrier around the mountain. Lest the people break through uh, and I break forth uh, upon them. Uh, He said if they break through uh, then I'll break forth. There was a little woman with an issue of blood uh, who tried to come to Jesus uh, but there was a crowd standing in her way. uh, But she made up in her mind Uh, if I uh, can just touch uh, the hem of his garment Uh, in other words uh, if I can get a breakthrough uh, if I can push through the crowd, uh, if I can press uh, past the opposition uh, I know uh, I can be made whole Uh, I feel like telling somebody in the building uh, if you can just push past uh, everything standing this morning. Uh, there's healing in this house. Uh, there's deliverance in this house. Uh, there's a breakthrough in this place. Uh, somebody press your way through. I came to get a breakthrough. I came to get a breakthrough. Oh, if you believe that, clap your hands and give them a great big praise in this house. I know it's Sunday morning and you're wearing those cute shoes and that pretty dress and that nice suit you got on but baby sometimes you gotta get a little radical and say I don't care what it looks like I gotta get to Jesus and it might look cute and it might not impress you and it might not be dignified but baby I refuse to leave this place without my miracle I refuse to leave this place without God's hand in my somebody
1: give him praise oh
0: Tell your neighbor, neighbor, tell them, neighbor, tell them, I don't know about you, but I came to get my breakthrough. You can leave yours on the table if you want to, but I'm going to get my breakthrough in this place today. I'm going to leave with the chains broken. I'm going to leave with the weight lifted I'm going to leave with peace. I'm going to leave with power. I'm going to leave. Oh, glory, glory, glory. You might have to kick off them pretty shoes. You might have to loosen up that designer tie that you wore this morning. But somebody in the building came ready for what God has for you in this excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. You can be seated for just a few moments. I want to take a brief opportunity this morning to give a great big welcome to all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord. Rock Church, can I borrow your hands and your voice one good time? Uh, Would you help me give a great ovation? We can do a little bit better than that. Help me welcome all of our guests here in the house of the Lord this morning. Man, we are so privileged to have you here in the house of the Lord today. And if this is your very first time here at the Rock Church, you should have received a VIP invitation card when you came through the front doors. And if you're here for the first time and you did not receive one, if you would just slip your hand in the air briefly, one of our staff members will run one to you. But this is an invitation for you to join us immediately after the service. I see one VIP hand right here. We want you to join us immediately after the service uh, in our VIP room. We've got some light refreshments and a small gift that we'd love to give you just as a token of our appreciation that you would come and worship in the house of the Lord with us today. Amen. We have a little understanding with our guests here that you are only a guest for the first 5 minutes that you come through the door. After that, you're just at home here at the Rock Church. Amen somebody. Would you turn around tell everybody within 360 degrees from you, just tell them welcome home this morning. Come on, help me tell them welcome home this morning. Amen. Speaking of welcome home, it is so good to see Brother uh, Leon Henry home this morning. Amen. Love this young man, and it is so good to see him in the house of the Lord this morning. And uh, also want to say what a privilege it is to have my very, very good friend, Chris Kagan, in the house of the Lord with us. Would you help me give him a great Big Rock Church welcome this morning? Amen. Amen. This is a, a, a dear friend of mine, and, and whether you know it or not, he's been a friend to this church and been a blessing to this church, and it's a privilege to have him in the house of the Lord today, and uh, how many of you are just excited about all of the incredible things happening right here at the Rock Church? Amen. God's doing some incredible things. Listen, I want to piggyback off of what has already been said concerning tickets for the anniversary service. Somebody said, why do we have to have tickets and all of those things? Because we have to give accurate numbers to the caterer. And they have to have a certain amount of time to prepare for the event. And so if you would just help us out and and make sure to be diligent today uh, and this evening in getting those tickets... And if you know somebody that's not here today and you know uh, they would want to be there, call them, text them, send a carrier pigeon to them this afternoon, whatever you have to do, uh, or just buy their tickets and make them pay you back with a little bit of extra on top of it. And uh, make sure that we, we don't want anybody to not be able to be there and celebrate with us. Amen, somebody? We want everybody to be there. It's going to be an incredible, incredible time Uh, Special guests uh, just skidding will be there uh, with some incredible entertainment uh, throughout the the evening. And it's going to be a great time. Bishop Paul Elder will be our guest speaker that Sunday morning. Amen. And it's going to be an awesome time as we celebrate uh, 10 years of God doing the miraculous and 25 years of this church's existence. Speaking of God doing incredible things... Uh, Just this past week uh, in the country of Haiti, as most of you know, uh, we have several churches there. As a matter of fact, we have eight churches in Haiti and we are getting ready uh, to plant church number nine. But as we have been uh, on a mission there in the country of Haiti, recently a door of opportunity opened up and we began to minister and witness to a Trinitarian pastor uh, by the name of Edna Alcima in St. Michael, which is, is in North Haiti. And this past week, this pastor was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Not only was he baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, but 43 people were baptized in Jesus' name. Come on, I think we converted the entire church to this apostolic truth. Amen. And uh, we're so excited. I think they have a video clip of one of the church services. uh, If they can put that up. I think we ought to give God a praise for what he's doing in the country of Haiti this morning. Come on, let's give God a great big worship in this place for what he's doing across the globe. Amen, amen. Stand with me, if you would, all over this house as we prepare for the entrance of God's word into this sanctuary and uh, ask you to remember... To continue to pray for Pastor Ari Prado, who has been uh, now in the hospital for quite some time in critical condition uh, and and we are believing God for miracles in his life. Amen somebody amen I, I want to I want to follow the Holy Ghost today. Is that all right if I just do what God told me to do this morning? Amen. I, I feel like today that I am going to be preaching like an alarm clock. And part of the disdain of the alarm clock is that in the morning, that sound is designed to interrupt our comfortability. It is designed to interrupt our slumber. And our initial reaction to that sound is to silence it. Because it is, it is uncomfortable. It, it, it is not a, a sound that is designed to soothe you. It is not a sound that is designed to make you feel good all over the place, but it has a specific purpose of making sure that you're not late. And so I want to follow the Holy Ghost this morning. And if you would turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter number 7. There you will find my assignment for this morning, Genesis chapter 7, and I want to begin reading at verse number 1. Genesis chapter 7, verse number 1 says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteousness before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take unto thee by sevens the male and his female, and of the beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of the fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth for yet seven days and I will cause it to rain upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Now let me give you a little bit of context here. You will recall that according to most theologians, Noah spent in excess of 100 years preparing and building the ark tell your neighbor 100 years and when the lord gave him instructions to construct the ark he did not give him a timeline he did not tell him it had to be built by this date or that date or any indication noah simply had to obey the word of the lord And so can you imagine year after year after year building the ark and preparing the ark? All of the sudden one day God speaks and says, you've been building this ark for years and decades. And I'm telling you right now that in seven days it's going to rain. The sense and the level of urgency to know you only have 7 days and every living substance that i made will i destroy from off the face of the earth and noah did according unto all that the lord commanded him and noah was 600 years old when the flood waters was upon the earth and Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood, of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean, of fowls and everything that creepeth upon their earth. There went in two and two unto Noah, into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth in the 600th year of Noah's life in the second month the 17th day of the month the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up uh, and the windows of heaven were open and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights in the same day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them uh, into the ark. They and every beast after his kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind and every fowl of the air after his kind uh, every bird of every sort and they went in unto Noah into the ark uh, two and two of all flesh uh, wherein is the breath of life uh, and they that went in uh, went in male and female of all flesh uh, as God had commanded him uh, and the Lord shut him in I want to use the first phrase of verse 4 as my subject for yet seven days and for a few moments I simply want to preach in this house the hour has come the hour has come. I wish somebody would put your Bibles down and one more time lift up a praise to God in this house. Come on, I- I'm telling you, I'm-, I'm praying right now, God, uh, awaken our spirit in this place today. God, would you arrest the attention of people uh, that are slumbering in this house today? God, I come against every distraction. Uh, I come against anything that would uh, try to redirect the attention uh, of your people in this house today uh, and let your word find us uh, in this place this morning. Uh, oh, God, uh, let a sense of urgency uh, come upon us in this place today, uh, to understand uh, that we are living in the last moments uh, of the last hour uh, of the last days. Uh, We need you in this place. Uh, Above all, we've got to be ready. Uh, Above all, we've got to be saved. Uh, Speak to us in this house. Uh, We'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory uh, and the name we pray. Uh, Somebody clap your hands one more time uh, and give the Lord a praise in this house. You may be seated this morning. Oftentimes the theme in the story of Noah is rendered to us as a child's narrative. It is perhaps the pediatrics of biblical stories in the Bible. You could go into many baby nurseries in people's houses today and it would be commonplace to find Noah and the ark as the theme for the baby's room. The cute depiction of the animals two by two and it is often represented and communicated to us as uh, an innocent, childlike story uh, with its pastel colors uh, and its pediatric presentation to us. We even teach the songs to our children in Sunday school about Noah and the ark. Uh, we, 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 we rehearse the lyric uh, that in came the animals... Two by two. In came the... It sounds so lullaby. And then we get to the part we love. In came the elephants with their... And so the story of Noah in the mind of the church today is often relegated as uh, a, a child's story as something that uh, is introduced to us at a young uh, place in our walk with God uh, but I want to preach to you uh, this morning uh, the fact that the story uh, of Noah recorded in scripture uh, is not there uh, as a story of entertainment uh, and as a matter of fact uh, it is as as far uh, from an innocent uh, and, and and violent free depiction of a story uh, as it can possibly be uh, the story and the narrative uh, of noah and the ark uh, is specifically placed uh, in the word of the lord uh, as as a marker for you and I uh, to be able to understand uh, exactly when uh, the coming uh, of God is going to take place. It is not there just uh, as a child's story, uh, but it is there as a recorder uh, and a reminder uh, that when you see uh, these kind of things, uh, then you will know uh, that my return uh, is coming uh, soon. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24 in verse 37, But as the days of Noah were, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Uh, he said do you want to know uh, how to tell uh, when I'm coming back uh, just look back at Noah's day uh, and when the day you're living in uh, begins to look like uh, the day that Noah was living in uh, then get ready church uh, because your redemption uh, draweth nigh uh, get ready uh, because I'm coming back soon uh, get ready uh, because I'm coming back uh, for my church I'm going to preach till I wake somebody up this morning. I'm going to preach until somebody gets uncomfortable today. I'm going to preach until somebody is shaking in your pew today to understand we don't have time to be asleep in the church. We don't have time to be messing around in our walk with God. We don't have time to patty cake for Jesus. Why? Because uh, he's coming uh, back uh, and the hour uh, is here. uh, The hour uh, is come. Uh, We don't have centuries. uh, We don't have decades. uh, And spiritually speaking, uh, I do not believe we even have uh, a days left. uh, But we are living uh, in the final hour uh, before the return uh, of Jesus. It's important to understand what the moral and social climate was like in Noah's day. Scripture tells us in Genesis chapter 6, verse number 5, it says, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. If that is not a description uh, of the society that we live in today uh, then I do not know uh, what one is. Uh, because we live in a world uh, that calls good evil uh, and declares evil uh, as good. Uh, we live in a world that punishes righteousness uh, and celebrates uh, evil. I'm going to preach uh, till I wake you up this morning. Uh, this is the world you live in every day. Uh, this is the places you drive every day. Uh, These are the places you work. Uh, This is the places uh, that you frequent. Uh, Oh, we live in a world uh, that celebrates sin uh, and it mocks uh, righteousness we live in a world uh, that is trying to remove uh, the fingerprints of God uh, from off of its history Uh, we're not a nation of God Uh, we're not a people created by God Uh, we're our own person Uh, we're our own God Uh, we're our own power Uh, but my Bible declares uh, what power uh, has creation uh, over uh, the creator Uh, we live in a world uh, that thumbs its nose at God and his creation we are living in a world that is evil continually continually just turn on the news and it's evil continually just open up social media and it's evil continually come on somebody get your head out of the sand I know you came here in your good suit and your pretty perfume but I came to you up this morning we're living in the last case in the last hour I'm afraid too many of us have been lullabied to sleep right on a church pew too many of us come on can I tell you the most dangerous place to go to hell from is not a bar stool it's a church pew Come on, I'm preaching uh, because the person on the bar stool uh, sometimes has a better understanding uh, of their position with God uh, than the person sitting uh, on a church pew uh, who thinks just because uh, I'm sitting in church today uh, means that I'm close to God uh, and I'm ready for his return. Uh, The devil is a liar. The very elect... uh, the Bible said uh, could be deceived. Uh, Somebody in this place uh, needs to understand uh, that God has a word in this house uh, and he's trying uh, to reach us. We live in a wicked society full of evil demonic activity no longer hides in the shadows. There was a day when satanic worship was subverted and it was hidden and it was behind cloaks and it was behind the curtains. But now it is in the forefront uh, of our society. uh. It is flaunted uh, in the face uh, of humanity. uh. I'm I'm, I'm preaching this. Some of us uh, looking at me this morning uh, like a librarian giving a lecture uh, at the library. uh, Has it been so long uh, that now you are numb uh, and asleep uh, and you've grown so accustomed to uh, and so used to the evil uh, that's in front of us uh, that we can sit in a church service and it seems normal and it's no big deal and why are we worried about that it's just the world that we're living in that is exactly what God said it would be like when He came back he said it's going to be just like it was in the days of Noah scripture says in Genesis 6 and 6 that it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. There came a point where God said, I wish I would have never created humanity humanity has strayed so far from his purpose humanity has deviated so much from what he was created to do that I wish I would have never created him and the Lord said I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air uh, for it repented me uh, that I uh, have uh, made them uh, and before you start to say uh, that was a long time ago uh, God would never do it again uh, you better get in your Bible uh, because he promised uh, I'll never destroy the earth with water uh, but the next time uh, I will purge the earth uh, it will be with fire uh, somebody better hear this man of God today uh, I didn't come to tickle your ears Uh, I didn't come to entertain you Uh, I came to preach to you uh, that hell is real uh, that God is coming back uh, and this is no time uh, to play games uh, with God shame on churches that will not preach repentance shame on churches uh, that will not preach these kind of messages. Shame on churches uh, whose only goal uh, is to make a comfortable social club uh, where you want to come and eat cookies uh, and drink coffee uh, and have your ears tickled uh, with the feel-good gospel. Uh, It's going to be a hard day uh, on false prophets uh, when the Lord comes back uh, and people realize uh, that they didn't make it uh, because their preacher wouldn't preach the truth. Uh, They didn't make it because their man of God uh, would not declare the word of the Lord. Uh, They didn't make it uh, because they believed the lie uh, of a church society. Uh, But God helped me uh, to preach uh, with everything I got this morning. Uh, He's coming uh, back. Uh, He's coming back. uh, And he's going to destroy sin. Uh, He's going to destroy unrighteousness. Uh, And we... uh, Must repent. It's a depiction of the day you and I live in. How do you think God feels about the wickedness, the mockery, the open defiance? To God musical artists who have been anointed as demonic evangelists will step on platforms in stadiums while tens and tens of thousands of people gather with their hands lifted and their voices lifted to the enchanting words uh, of the demonic world. Uh, and on a Sunday morning, uh, there are people in an apostolic church uh, while truth is being declared. Uh, and the only thing they can think about uh, is where I'm going to eat after service. Uh, and what, what all I have to get done today. Uh, and your mind is as far away. Uh, how do you think uh, the Lord's feelings are uh, towards us uh, society where on average over 42 million babies a year are being murdered it's getting quiet in here in case you're wondering what I'm talking about I'm talking about abortion That's another issue uh, we've gotten so sleepy about as a church uh, that we just sit there nodding our head, uh, talking about the murder uh, of innocent babies. Uh, There's nothing inside of you anymore uh, that gets grieved. Uh, There's nothing inside of you anymore uh, that just at the mention uh, of babies dying uh, turns over your stomach. Uh, Over 40 to over 100,000 babies every single day uh, that are meeting their death, uh, in a society uh, that flaunts itself uh, again, how much longer uh, do you think the Lord uh, is going to suffer uh, what is happening uh, on the earth today Uh, Jesus said it would have been better uh, if a millstone was hung around your neck uh, and you were cast into the bottom of the sea uh, than for one of these little ones uh, to be offended Uh, we are living uh, in the last hour Murder at an all-time high. Fornication glorified. Pedophilia taking a place of prominence. And says, I wish I could wake somebody up in this place. I wish you'd get more excited about this uh, than you do your hobbies this morning. Uh, I wish you'd get more passionate uh, about what I'm preaching this morning uh, than you do some of your personal interests. uh, Pedophiles uh, that are working as we speak uh, trying to pass the age uh, for sexual uh, uh, activity, the consent age uh, down to 13 years uh, and even younger. Uh, Now they've changed, legally changed the verbiage uh, Instead of pedophilia, they don't like that word. Uh, they want to call it a person uh, who, who uh, has interest in a mi- minor attracted individuals. Uh, I'm born uh, with, with, the, with the, this propensity to be attracted uh, to my, What are they doing? Uh, they are normalizing sin. Uh, they are trying to get everybody in society uh, to go to sleep, uh, to get lose your passion. Uh, quit worrying about it. Uh, I came to preach to somebody. Uh, it's time for the church to wake up wake up I'm talking about things that make the top ten list of things that God said would be cast in the lake of fire adultery at an all time high in society no reverence for the sanctity of marriage. A society that celebrates by making TV shows about swapping your wife and swapping your husband and it becomes prime time entertainment with high ratings while the whole world celebrates evil and calls evil good and normalizes sin. I came to preach to somebody that we are living uh, in a day like Noah's day uh, where men's hearts uh, is willing to do evil uh, continually And while Hollywood keeps pumping and producing uh, this kind of content uh, and gravitating towards wickedness, uh, people in God's church uh, struggle with putting televisions back in their home. Uh. After God brought you out of that hell, uh, after God brought you out of that vomit and that puke, uh, you, you're struggling uh, wanting to hook it back up into your living room. I ain't backing down one uh, inch in this place. Uh. Uh, you're willing to sacrifice uh, the integrity of your wife and your husband and your children and the presence of God by bringing that filth back into your house and the enemy has given you every excuse in the world to justify your actions but God sent me into this place today as an alarm clock to preach to you. You're living in the last hour and there's nothing Hollywood can produce uh, that's worth losing your soul uh, that's worth missing heaven uh, that's worth the price uh, of eternity Uh, get it out of your house uh, get it out of your home uh, there's no redemptive value uh, it's not worth it Uh, I wish I had a church in the building uh, that would shout in this place uh, I'm not letting it in my home uh, I'm not letting it in my house uh, I'm not opening the door uh, for that wicked in my home I'm going to stop here and preach for a moment because what has become popular is there are apostolic churches where the pastors are giving in to the deception of the world I'm going to preach it I didn't come to get popular in the polls this morning. I didn't come to tickle your ears. I came as a man of God this morning. There are apostolic churches that have been swayed, that are gravitating toward the world. And so at one time, they stood. In opposition against sin but now they have made it mainstream bringing things back into their homes back into their lives and here's the travesty social media has opened a window now for everybody to see what's happening everywhere else and if you're not careful saint of god you're in a safe house where god is Called you uh, and planted you uh, and fed you uh, and nourished you uh, and given you a prophet uh, to declare his word. Uh, and if you're not careful, uh, you'll be lured by the siren call of the world uh, that starts to look at other churches uh, and say, Well, uh, they're apostolic uh, and they're doing it. Uh, well, they're apostolic uh, and it's okay in that congregation uh, to do this. Hey, uh, you better wake up uh, and realize. Uh, that they're headed the wrong way Uh, they're going the wrong direction Uh, I don't care how popular it looks Uh, I don't care how popular it becomes Uh, God's word uh, and his principles uh, never uh, change the enemy starts putting seeds in your head well I know my pastor preaches against that But they don't. And so you go home and you live a life of disobedience. I know that's what the man of God preaches. But let's click on this channel over here. See? See, they're wearing it. See, they've got it. It's no problem there. And there's a move of the Holy Ghost happening there. You better be careful about what you call a move of God versus entertainment I came to preach in this house today here's what the word of the Lord declares straight is the gate and narrow is the way and few be there that find it but broad is the path uh, to destruction uh, and many there be uh, that go there in uh, just because the majority are doing it uh, doesn't make it right uh, Jesus said watch out because uh, it's the wide gate uh, that leads to destruction uh, it's the popular ideologies uh, that'll sweep you off of your feet you know what you're teaching your children You're teaching them to disregard the pulpit. You're teaching them to disregard spiritual authority. And there's going to come a day when they spit in your God's face because you live the life of hypocrisy and you live the life of justification. Oh yeah, you think you're creating a better life for them. I want them to be able to have this. I want them to be able to do that. Baby, there's going to come a day when they see what is for what is. And they're going to lose their respect for you. Your kids will learn. Come on, it might be tough now, but if you'll do it God's way, there's going to come Day uh, that they're gonna say, Thank you, Daddy, uh, for protecting us. Uh, Thank you, Mama, uh, for keeping us. Uh, Thank you, Mom and Dad, uh, for holding on to truth. Uh, Thank you, Mom and Dad, uh, for not letting go. Uh, Who am I preaching to uh, in this place today? Matthew 24. Jesus begins this diatribe concerning the second return. And he begins to say, for as in the days that were before the flood, listen to me, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew it not until the flood came and took them all away so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be you know what he was saying they got so swept up with life that life became their priority and my return came and they didn't even realize that it was upon them you know what it was Sister Pack it was the peril of priorities they got their priorities so mixed up in life uh, that living for God and going to church uh, became secondary uh, and tertiary uh, and quadratic thing after thing began to take importance uh, and priority over the kingdom of God uh, they begin to get their life all mixed up uh, until they worshipped the blessing uh, more than the blesser uh, they got to the place uh, where going to work uh, became a greater priority than the God who blessed them with the job in the first place they got to the place where making money became more of a priority than trusting Jehovah Jireh God their provider it got to the place where buying a new house became more important than being faithful to God's house it got to a place where what they were driving became more important than their car taking them uh, faithfully to the house uh, of God. Uh, I came to preach uh, to somebody in this place. Uh, It's time to get your priorities right. Uh, It's time to get yourself back uh, to having God at the top uh, of everything in your life. (laughs) They got so busy in life. They put me at the back burner. I'm preaching straight today. I don't have family or friend when I'm standing as the man of God in this pulpit. I'm concerned hearing the excuses every week I get on my phone for why people aren't at the house of God. I get concerned it's not just that they're missing church. It's that their priorities are getting further and further messed up. It's that they keep making other things more important than the kingdom of God. Oh, come on. I am came to preach. Well, just because I miss church doesn't mean I'm not living for God. Hear me. If you can't be faithful to what we can see and measure, what makes you think you're faithful to things that there is no accountability for? If you're not faithful in the things that can be accounted for, You're certainly not being faithful where there is no accountability. The Bible still says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Then what does it say? Even so, much more as you see the day approaching, the closer you get to my coming, the more of a priority being in church ought to become to you. The closer you get, Uh, to the second coming uh, the more of a priority uh, you ought to place uh, on being assembled together uh, with the body of Christ I don't care if you don't like that kind of preaching uh, I'm sorry uh, I don't care if it makes you uncomfortable uh, I'm sorry uh, I'm sorry if it makes you uh, feel guilty this morning Uh, I'm not motivating you by guilt uh, but let God be true uh, and every man a liar It's just an indication that we're living in the last days. When God's own people marry and given in marriage day-to-day life had them so distracted that they weren't even looking for my coming. Here's the part of the scripture that gets me. Verse 39 says, and they knew it not until the flood came. Why does that bother me? I'll tell you why. Because Second Peter chapter 2 and verse number 5 says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. You know what that tells me? He wasn't just a carpenter building a boat while he was swinging a hammer. He was preaching to those people week after week day after i wish i had a church in the building week after week day after day, uh, while Noah was preparing the ark, uh, he was preaching, yet the Bible says uh, they knew it uh, not. uh, You know what it was? Uh, It wasn't a lack of preaching. uh, It was a lack of hearing uh, the preaching. The Bible says in the last day uh, that there would be a famine uh, not of the Word of God uh, but of a hearing uh, of the Word of God. Uh, People are going to walk into church, uh, hear a sermon, uh, and they're going to walk out of the doors uh, as if they never heard it in the first place. They knew it not until the flood came. But I came to preach this morning. He's coming back. I know you're still sitting there staring at me uh, with less excitement than you have uh, at the trampoline park, uh, but I came to preach to you. Uh, he's coming uh, back. I know uh, you're going to get less excited over this uh, than you would be playing basketball uh, with your friends, uh, but he's coming uh, back. I know uh, you're, you're less excited right now uh, than you are when you play ping pong uh, with your buddies on Thursday night, uh, but he's coming uh, back uh, and He's coming back soon, uh, and we don't have time to play games. uh, We don't have time to mess around. uh. Matthew 24, Jesus goes on to say, Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore. The indication here is that if you're not watching, you're liable to be the one that gets left behind. They were both doing the same thing. Both grinding at the mill. Both doing the same. They were both sitting on the same pew. They were both in the same church service. One of them was taken and one of them was left. Why? Because you can be sitting right where you are this morning and be so caught up in everything else that you miss God's calling in your life. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. I came to preach to you in the context of chirological events. You don't have years. You don't have months. You don't have weeks. Dare I even say? You don't have days. But the hour is come. That's about what the word said about half. The word said about half of the people would be watching and expecting about about half. I know you see everybody in their suit and their dress, but there's probably only about half. That are watching, that there's the person next to you and the person on the other, there's a good chance that they look ready, but they're not ready. There's a good chance that they know the words to the song, but their heart is far from. There's a good chance that they show up every Sunday, but they're not living the life that they want to remember. I'm preaching to somebody in the building. Watch for ye know not what hour But know this, verse 43, that if the goodman of the house, the one responsible for the household, mama, daddy, if the goodman of the house had known in what watch or what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken. Up. I'm preaching. I'm preaching to a man of a of a family in this place today. If you could only see through spiritual eyes for a moment, if you could only lift off from the carnality that you have surrounded your thinking with for a moment and see the eternal implications of the life that you were living, and you knew how soon. The return of the Lord is you would not suffer your house uh, to be in the condition uh, that it's in right now. Uh, You would take every precaution uh, to make sure uh, that you're not caught unaware I'm preaching to somebody. uh, If you knew what hour uh, the thief, Jesus said that I'm coming uh, like a thief uh, in uh, the night. Uh, If you knew what hour uh, that the thief was coming, uh, you wouldn't show up to church and leave early uh, like you like to do. Uh, You wouldn't show up on Sunday mornings uh, and then skip out on Sunday nights and midweek, uh, if you knew uh, what hour it was uh, you'd do whatever you had to do uh, to make sure your wife uh, and your children uh, were in the house of the Lord with you Uh, if you knew uh, what hour it was uh, mama you wouldn't make excuses anymore uh, for your children uh, but you'd be doing everything you can uh, to see them live uh, for God i will preach this for a moment. Mom and Dad, it's your responsibility to do everything in your power and authority to keep your house in order. I don't care how old your children are. We got quiet right there. I don't care if Bubba is 28 and still living at home. If he's up under your roof, you've got a godly responsibility to set your house in order. I don't care if sister girl is 24 and still single living at home Uh, they're up under your authority uh, and your roof uh, and you've got a mandate from god uh, to keep your house uh, in order i feel like preaching uh, until i back a devil up against the wall uh, in this place Uh, come on your children ought to know uh, that as for me uh, and uh, my uh, house uh, Well, it's just got to be a personal thing. As for me uh, and uh, my uh, house, uh, we uh, will uh, serve the Lord. Better quit making excuses for their sin. Quit making allowances for their sin. They need to know if they're going to live up under your roof, they're going to do it God's way. Come on somebody, you're gonna use my electricity, eat my groceries, sleep in the bed that I paid for. Come on, walk under the roof that I pay for every month. You're going to live for God. You're going to do it God's way. When you leave this house one day, it will be said, and I will have a testimony that I raised you in the fear and the admonition of God, that I trained you up in the ways of the Lord. Verse 44, I'm hurrying, therefore be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Here's what the Bible says. I, I, I preached everything I preached to get to this point right here. I feel like telling somebody, and I, I'm just going to look everywhere, everywhere at once. If you're, if you're staring at your cell phone right now on text messages and social media and email, I ask you as the man of God of this house to wake up, put your phone away, and listen to the voice of God in this house. Come on. I'm asking you as the prophet of this house, put your phone down. Get your distraction in order and hear ye the word of the Lord in this house. I'm an adult. I'm respo- then be responsible like one and quit pulling out your phone in the middle of the preaching. I got 10-year-old kids with better sense than you in this church right now. Here's what Jesus goes on to say in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12. He says, Because iniquity shall abound... The love of many shall wax cold. He said one of the signs of the time is that their love is going to wax like the wax of a candle. When the fire goes out, their love is going to wax cold. They're going to lose their passion for the things of God. Pretty soon their trip to the altar is gonna be less and less frequent. What's happening? Their love is waxing cold. Pretty soon they they used to show up for pre-service prayer, but then they started slide, they quit coming for pre-service prayer, and they'd show up just in time for now. They're now they come late. And then what happens? Then they then they just make excuses not to come. And, and at first they were accountable. Now they just find a way to escape the radar and evade detection for what's happening. Their love is waxing cold. Why? Because of the abundance of iniquity. It's not happenstance. Sin is what robs people of the fire in their life. Disobedience, not living according to God's word, is what causes the fire to go out. It's just a symptom when you see it. In one place in Revelation, Jesus said, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left your first love. walked away from the God that saved you you've made a slow journey separating yourself the symptoms keep showing up and in one place he said return back to your first works get back to the way you used to live for me when I first delivered you Get back to that passion you used to have when I filled you with. Come on, somebody. You wouldn't even think about missing church when I first rescued you. You wouldn't even think about not coming to the altar for an altar call. You wouldn't think twice about sitting in your pew instead of worshiping God. Get back to your first works. He said, lest I remove the candlestick place. Come on, I'm preaching to families in this house. Your commitment to God is less and less and less. And you're making justification after justification to disobey his word in your life. You know better, but you choose not to do better. The hour has come. Said the hour has come. Music, come! I'm, I'm trying to hurry. Luke chapter twenty-one, verse twenty. This is the synoptic comparison of Matthew chapter twenty-four, as recorded by Luke. It's the same moment in time in which Jesus is preaching. And he is speaking prophetically about what is to come. And this is how the physician Luke catches it in Luke chapter 21 verse 10 or verse 20. He says this, and when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. In case you haven't been paying attention to the news and you think that what's going on with Israel is just another news headline, you are sadly mistaken and you are asleep to the day and age in which we are living right now. Come on, I came to preach like an alarm clock this morning. I came to preach and wake somebody up Come on, you ain't got time to keep messing around in your walk with God. You ain't got time to live for God sloppy. You ain't got time to be unfaithful to the house of God. I came to preach to somebody. You don't have time to keep living a life of bitterness and making excuses for why you can't do something for God because you're offended with this person and that person and you don't like the way this is and the way... Hear me! The hour is come you don't have time to play games with God you don't have time to sit at home and pout You don't have time to sit at home and waste your time because of circumstances. He's coming back. I said he's coming back, and you're not promised another church service. You're not promised another opportunity. You're not promised another week or a day to get right with God. When you see Israel surrounded. Then he goes on to say in Luke 21 and 28, listen. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth coming back the enemy wants you so busy quote unquote having church that you miss being in the church not living for God because I don't want to go to hell early in my walk with God that was maybe what motivated me but I'm going to tell you why I live for him now because I've got to see him face to face i got to see the one who paid the price for me got to see the one. I can't miss it. Come on. I'm not living for God out of duty. Come on. I'm preaching to some people. You got to make a shift where coming to church isn't a drudgery and a duty. When you say, I don't understand why we got to go to church three times a week. I don't understand why we got to be there. You don't have a relationship with God. You're just coming to church out of a duty. When you love somebody, you don't chafe against the time you spend. You look for every opportunity to spend more time? How can I be at church more often? How can I be with the body more frequently? How can I find time to pray more? How can I find time? Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to you that it's time to repent over living for God out of duty. It's time to repent over messed up priorities. It's time to get your heart right because he's coming back. I'm hurrying. Luke 21 and 34, he goes on to say this, and take heed to yourselves. You know what that means? Quit worrying about everybody else and pay attention to yourself. Quit worrying about what your neighbor is doing or not doing or what. Take heed to yourself. Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. Be aware of yourself lest your priorities get so mixed up that your life is overwhelmed with all of you and that day come upon you unaware. God's going to be looking for people who are looking for him. My bishop used to say, heaven's going to be full of people that are full of heaven. Stand with me as I hurry to a close this morning. And I pray to God you don't walk out of this house. Because we all stood up and it's a good chance to exit instead of run to an altar. This is not the time to lose your way. Hear me, somebody. I'm talking to families who have slowly backslid over time. Oh, yeah, you still come to church. Yeah, you, you still sing the songs, you know, in the clap. Some of you still even give tithe and offering. But you're sitting in a pew with your heart far from God. Now is no time to be lukewarm in your walk with God. Now is not the time to be distracted. Now is not the time to play games. Now is not the time to justify worldliness. Come on, somebody. I'm going to say it again because I feel the Holy Ghost preaching to me. I don't care what church across town or in another state allows worldliness. It is still a sin. And the Bible says because the judgment of God is not executed speedily, it is continually within the heart of man. Do you want to know what the problem is? Is we don't see the price of sin immediately. And so because you see other churches compromising and you don't see the immediate effects Uh, you think it's okay uh, but I came to preach to you uh, you better get your eyes off of the left and the right uh, and you better get your eyes uh, on the kingdom of heaven I'm not looking for ways to live further on the edge I'm not looking for to see how close to the world I can get and technically still be okay I'm not living Sister Manuska trying to see what I can get away with and still not be sat down off of the platform. How far can I can I push the limit and them not say something? If that's how you're living for God, you're not living for God. You're coming to a country club to socialize because when you're living for God, you're not looking at the edge. You're trying to see how close to God you can live. How can I be more consecrated? How can I have a greater walk with him? How can I be more more devoted than I am to him and here's what the word of the lord says in second peter chapter 3 verse number 9 the bible says that the lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness but as long suffering to us were He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We often think about the promises of God and we automatically think blessings and open doors and favor. But part of God's promise is the impending judgment of sin he's not slack concerning his promise and he's not willing that any should perish you know what that means he doesn't want anybody to die out to sin but there's only one way to avoid sin he wants all men to come to repentance see that's the lost message of the church today is repentance The church wants to be the church today without the message of repentance. We want to live like the world and still be called the church. I want to still be able to sin and be called a saint. I want to be able to have one hand on the world and one hand on the holiest of holies. God said you can't make it that way. If you're going to be my child, if you're going to make it in the rapture, you have to repent. There ought to be a red flag in your life when a man of God can stand behind a pulpit and your flesh dominates you to the place that you will not go to an altar and repent. If you miss heaven, if you perish, it'll be against the will of God. God's number one goal is to get you to a place where he can save you, not your comfort. There's people in this church, I've changed my prayer, Brother Collins, for them. I'm no longer praying, God, would you deal kindly, would you, you know what I'm praying? I'm saying, God, do whatever it takes for them to repent. God, if you've gotta wreck their business, let it fall apart. If it means they'll come to an altar, If they got to lose their house, what profits a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Lord, if you've got to remove that idol from their life that they've put before you, cast that idol down like Dagon, cause it to lose its head if it means they'll find a place of repentance. Why do we wait for the judgment of God? When the Bible says it's the goodness of the Lord that leadeth us to repentance. But God will do whatever He has to do. Jonah, God will send a storm to bust the ship into pieces that you've been hiding from Him in. Come on. God will send a storm to your life that will leave you floating on a piece of wood in the middle of an ocean with nothing left to your name if that's what it takes to get your attention. God will let you float in the middle of the water until a fish swallows you and you sit in the stink of a fish's belly for three days and nights until you can get on your knees and say, all right, God, I repent. All right, God. Uh, I'm ready to turn around. Uh, all right, God, come on. Uh, who am I preaching to? Uh, the hour uh, has come. And I'm closing with this. Genesis chapter 7 verse 1 it was part of our text this morning. Here's what the Lord says to Noah. Come Thou and all thy house into the ark. Your number one goal should be to get your family in the ark. Come on, I'm preaching to people. Your number one goal for your family is to buy them a new house at the expense of a walk with God. Your goal for your family is to own new vehicles at the expense of being in the house of God. You've got lots of goals for your family, but at the top of your list is not them being in the house of God. It's time to repent because the hour has come. This altar is open this morning. I'm not going to beg you to pray because you can't live for God out of duty. But I'm opening up this altar right now for anybody in this house who says in their spirit, whatever it takes, I've got to make it to heaven. Whatever it takes. My family's got to make it. Whatever it takes, God. I'm going to repent this morning. Whatever it takes. Come on. These altars are open this morning. Ma'am, sir, are you going to sit in your pew another service? Resisting God calling you to an altar. Are you going to sit in your pew another service? Resisting the voice of God. That's calling you to humble yourself. Come on in the name of Jesus. Come on somebody ought to lift your voice in this house. Yet 7 days and I will cause it to rain upon the earth. Noah get ready. You've been waiting but I'm coming. Noah get ready. It's been a hundred years of preparation, but I'm coming today. No, I'm coming. Come on, somebody. I'm talking to a young person in the building. There's nothing more important in your life right now than to get ready for His coming. Come on, come on. It's more important than getting married. It's more important than starting a family. more important than your education. It's more important than a good career. I've got to make it to heaven. Come on. Come on.
1: Come on.
0: Somebody right now. Somebody right now. Somebody right I've got to make it, I've got to make it,
1: I've got to make it, Jesus, you don't know, come on,
0: come on now, your number one priority, my family's got to be in the ark, come on daddy, you got to leave, Your redemption draweth not. me back to where we come on, don't you wait for somebody to come lay their hand on your head this morning. Don't you wait for somebody to come and pray with you this morning. You better lift your hands to heaven. Lift your hands to your
1: Creator. When I've come with my agenda, I'm sorry. Come on! You're enough Whatever it takes
0: Come on. There's some daddies in this, There's some in this house. God's calling you to repentance. There's some husbands in this house. God's calling you to repentance. There's some heads of household. God is calling you to repentance. Come on.
1: Nothing else. Nothing else to do. Come on. I just want you. Nothing else. Assim